Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast, where we talk philosophy from the farm. I'm your host, Terrence Slahew. In today's episode will be me with Peter Gruby, a good friend of mine, good friend of the show. He's the farmer of Middlebury Farms and has been an organic farmer since 2008, raising diversified vegetables for farmers markets and CSAs, and restaurants also. He and I are going to have a candid discussion on some of the issues coming up with the USDA and organic hydroponics and the organic livestock and poultry practices rule. To be upfront with you, I talk a little bit more in this interview than I typically do when we get to the poultry section, because that's more of my specialty, whereas Peter is great in talking about the hydroponics and has some good insights from a outsider's view, because he doesn't have livestock, on what these poultry practices rules mean. And if you want some background on some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, just either look at the news feeds when you type in organic, or go to the links in our I'll be putting links in the description for blog posts I've written on both hydroponics and on the organic livestock and poultry practices rule. So let's dive right into this interview with Peter Gruby. (laughs) Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you, Terrence, for having me. How are you today? Oh, doing as well as I can for the discussion that we're about to have. Now, excellent. Yeah, I was uh, harvesting the last of my rainbow carrots from our uh, quick hoops in our uh, fields today. Okay. So so before we get into this discussion, actually, I'll just ask you for, kind of for a quick crop update. Where are we at in the growing Absolutely. season? I mean, it's November nearly the middle of November and you're finishing harvesting stuff. Yes. So we're, we're up in Northern Illinois in Harvard and we have, uh, temperatures at about 36 degrees today. So some of our baby root crops have survived the frosts. We're still harvesting turnips, carrots, beets, radishes, celery root, and some of our heavy duty leafy greens are still, alive such as kale swiss chard and collard greens um we have had a ground freeze um it was about 20 degrees that was last thursday so that knocked out all of the other crops i believe that we have about a week left of harvest and we're going to get everything we can out of the ground uh, because temperatures have been dropping every single night and i think we're going to see some big snow come Within like eight or nine days, I can tell by the the temperature drop. But it's been uh it's been good. We've been lucky to have um uh, kind of warmer weather during the days during November for harvest. So mm-hmm. things are going well, Terrence. I think it's kind of cool. And before again, before we get into this discussion, that we've had you on the show. This is the third time, and I think we've kind of hit like the beginning, middle, and end of the season. Quite yeah. unconsciously and yeah. unpurposely. I like that. Yeah, and this this really is officially the end of the season. And I yeah, our first episode was when I was just started seeding all of these different crops. So that's that's fantastic. All right. Well, let's get right into it now. We're about to discuss some of the recent developments in the National Organic Standards, the USDA 
and the National Organic Standards Board. And I think before we get into the discussion, Peter and I should kind of let you, the audience, know where our stakes in this is. Uh, as for me, I am an organic inspector on the side, so I pay a lot of attention, obviously, to these policy issues. I work, have some association and work in the organic poultry industry, so I've been monitoring the progress of the organic livestock and poultry practices and feel very strongly about it. Peter, what's your stake in it? You're obviously an organic farmer who raises vegetables. How long have you been an organic farmer now? Um, since 2008 and certified organic since 2010, so quite a while. And how many acres do you have in organic production right now? Um, eight acres in organic vegetable production and 10 acres in organic hay production. So a total of 18 acres. So let's just get right into it. Uh, hydroponics. In fact, and this is something I'll tell you honestly, I did, somehow this was under the radar for me. I did not hear about this. I think you were actually the first person to mention organic hydroponics to me because I had always just been raised with the impression it's not a possibility. And since most of my work has been in the livestock industry, I wasn't as familiar with the issue. So if any of you who are thinkers yourselves as savvy organic customers go organic hydroponics, why am I just hearing about this? I'm an organic inspector and I didn't hear about it until at least consciously beginning of the last year. So Peter, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this issue is? Well, now hydroponics has really taken off um, in the urban areas and Hydroponics um, is, you know, they're growing with water, not soil. So it's very easy for them to produce, mass produce heads of lettuce, microgreens, baby greens, herbs, um, even hydroponic cherry tomatoes and tomatoes. And it's not a entirely sustainable method because they have electricity costs. They have plastic piping um, where they're dumping mass amounts of different organic fertilizer to enhance that that water. So it, it's still um, organic, but they're, they're dumping a lot more fertilizer into the water to, to get these um, leafy greens to grow. I think that a lot of big-time investors in the cities um, want to wanna sink their teeth into this, and they're purchasing um, giant warehouses, filling them with uh, tons of lights and producing um, lettuce as if it were like a factory. Um, and it's year round, but they're using, you know, um, uh, mass amounts of electricity to produce this. They are producing it year round. So what it does is it, it kind of drags down the price of, the head lettuce that's local or the microgreens. And with those types of crops, I would say farmers such as myself who are organic growing it uh, in the soil and want to get a fair price for it, I, I kind of see that now if they're going to be producing 80,000 heads of lettuce from this warehouse per day and, um, you know, 10,000 boxes of microgreens from this house or, uh, you know, this warehouse downtown, 
that will uh, kind of make me not want to grow those crops anymore for sale. I would still grow some of them, but it would not be, I, I, I don't think it would be possible to sell them for the price that I'm selling. So I think that's going to affect things um, a lot with those types of crops. But luckily, since I am in the soil, I'm able to grow 50 different types of vegetables. I don't think they'll ever grow a organic potato in water. I don't think that's possible, but it's more of these um, little crops that grow quickly, like the greens. And um, I think that's it's going to kind of get rid of a few of the small farmers that are closer to the urban areas in the city. It's going to definitely hurt them a bit. So that's uh, that's where I see this going right now. I think that the part that vexes me about this is that, A, it organics is a soil-based system. That's what was designed to be in the National Organic Standards. That's why the National Organic Standards Board, the NOSB, recommended against hydroponics. And if uh, you and the guests, uh, the audience remember, we discussed this a little bit with uh, Jim Riddle in a previous episode, which we'll link in the description, that they designed it to be a soil-based system. And then they decided, okay, we're just certifying hydroponics because they're organic inputs, completely leaving out the soil aspect. When the National Organic Standards Board heard about it, they recommended for the USDA to not certify organic hydroponics. But the USDA went ahead and did it anyway. Well, this last year... Actually, within the last couple of days uh, in Jacksonville, Florida, when they had their meeting, at a vote of seven of eight to seven, the board gave a recommendation to allow organic hydroponics. And that's slightly troubling because, as you can tell, if they're supposed to represent the farmer, this really doesn't do much for the average organic farmer, does it? No, no, either. It will it will hurt them, especially with uh, those crops that I that I mentioned with those those quick growing crops, because you can only have so many heads of lettuce, you know, that either restaurants are going to buy or um, families or uh, have so. It's also going to possibly hurt the farmers market now because a lot of those urban farm, um, you know, hydroponic warehouses who maybe couldn't get into some of the farmers markets before or certain stores or restaurants because they weren't organic. Now they're organic. They will flood those markets. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're all about the, the, uh, the production year round too. And it's, it, you know, again, like you said, there, there's no, there's no soil involved. It's all piping. It's plastics. It's all, it's all man-made. It's, Mm-hmm. So they're not really, it's not really a natural process. It isn't. God did not say, here I have created tube and plastic, place the plant seed in there, turn on the water and let it grow. I, I missed that part in Genesis somewhere. <laughs> um, and a uh, another reason, and especially for the consumer, when they're looking at a head of romaine lettuce that's, grown organically in the soil especially locally and it's fresh and then now they're going to let's say they grow a head of romaine lettuce hydroponically 
you're you're missing all of those key nutrients in the hydro grown lettuce that you would have had um, in the lettuce that was grown in the soil. They're they're missing. They're not there anymore. So I haven't actually done a study on um, what the difference is, but even a lot of my customers and friends who have tasted hydroponic lettuce versus the lettuce that's grown organically here, they said it tastes a lot different as if almost more like air. There's not mm-hmm. as much texture. It also, it, you can even get deeper. It, it's not dealing with the weather that it deals with outside. That lettuce that's grown in the rain and the soil and the mud is resisting um tough weather and it makes the plant actually tougher where hydroponics there is no weather there is no nature so possibly the plant won't be as strong and may be missing a lot of key nutrients that way too mm-hmm. now and, sorry go ahead no you um, you go ahead sorry go ahead so we touched on before but i think i really want to make sure the customers and the audience understand this what is it that makes these hydroponics organic versus hydroponics conventional? They are using um, more expensive organic inputs in their systems, which may be a certain type of fish fertilizer that they're flooding in the pipes or a seaweed fertilizer, which is a very if you're using them that often um i I believe that the seed of course too that they're purchasing will now be certified organic Mm -hmm. and um grown organically instead they were probably using conventional um and i guess they uh their environment would not have chemicals around it now in those Mm -hmm. warehouses which you'd almost have to go inspect them yourself though to see if they're actually um, following those rules or not. I'm not, I have not been to one, but I'm going to definitely see if I could get some tours in the future and learn more about it. From what I understand, they, as you said, they have to use organic inputs, organic seed, and they use, they do have to use chemicals. They just have to use organic approved ones. I think the concerning part yes. about this is that, and we wrote an article about it on the blog, I'll link to it in the description, but it shows that the National Organic Standards Board is becoming more concerned with the inputs rather than the soil itself. Yes, it's kind of sad, and they're worried about, and all of those companies now, it will help those chemical companies, and still get a lot more business from these hydroponic farms. Um, but again, that, that's something I just don't think about on my farm spraying because I'm using the soil that's been here for forever. I mean, mm-hmm. for 10,000 years. Because so properly managed soil, you won't have as much issues with needing to use chemicals, right? Absolutely, absolutely not. No, nature just takes care of itself. So that's where the difference in this is uh, managing the land properly by occasionally using input versus wholly using inputs and subtracting the land. Um, absolutely. And, and every, there's so many inputs that go into hydroponics, lighting, plastics, um, 
you know, water. You know, are they on a well in the city or all, are they just using the city water mm-hmm. to grow this? What's in the city water? See, I'm on a well here. I do test my water um, if I do happen to irrigate the soil, but like they're just growing in the water. What, you know, there's so much, there's so much going into that. I, I don't really know if it's even sustainable mm-hmm. for more than, you know, 10 years or like what, what are the, the cost of just producing um, a warehouse full of lettuce? I, I don't think it's as sustainable as just growing it on land, the correct mm-hmm. way to do it. I mean, literally you know, they like have overhead big, costs. Big, big, Yes. So, so it, um, it's just astounding. This is so our kind of our conclusion uh, as far as the hydroponics go is that it's not it's not sustainable. It continually requires new inputs. Absolutely yes. There there's and on and on and on. There's there's no letting the soil relax for the winter. There's no there's no break with it. It's it's I I don't believe it's sustainable. It's warehouse farming. It is factory farming. It's warehouse farming, and really every customer who purchases uh, a head of lettuce that's hydroponically grown is is supporting that versus someone who's Mm -hmm. buying something that's organically grown in the grounds. Will you're supporting farmers like myself, people who are farming in nature, and I think it's more of a a beautiful way to farm. Than in a warehouse in, um, you know, in the middle of the city. Well, I think the sad part about that is so many consumers don't know. I mean, they just they see it has the organic seal on. Oh, it must be fine. They pick it up off the shelf. They take it home and they eat it, not even thinking how it was grown because it's organic. They don't have to think about it. They can trust it. Ah. Yes, I, I would say know your farmer connected with the with the small farmer and mm-hmm. I and see if it's grown in soil that mm-hmm. that is I think it makes the biggest difference I think you're really going to miss though they, they can only put so many nutrients into the water in these hydroponic systems it will never compete with the the real deal the the mass amounts of nutrients that are in just you know a handful of soil on an mm-hmm. organic farm or just anywhere really that is fertile. So we, we will have to see. Yeah. I, I'm not too excited about this, especially with leafy green production. I think that will really um, sting a lot of farmers um, really all around the country, if not North America now. Mm-hmm. Now shifting gears to discuss the, the poultry problem here. I know that you don't have livestock, but as an organic farmer, you obviously have a vested interest in maintaining the integrity of the organic seal, correct? Yes. So just as a little background for the audience, the national organic standards currently, as they are the law of the land, do not define outdoor access requirements for poultry. They just say, that poultry have to have access to the outdoors. They do the same thing for inside. In, uh, indoors, they don't define how much space each chicken should have. Now, the or- National Organic Standards Board is aware of this. The NOS, the USDA is aware of this. 
and kind of to help compensate a set of rules called the Organic Livestock and Poultry Practices were written. They give specific definitions for what outdoor access is for a chicken because there are these large, huge egg barns that would go up that would only put a tiny little porch outside for the chickens and not even sometimes open the door so they could go outside, doing the absolute bare minimum. The SEV rules were put in place at the beginning of 2017. However, because of a certain degree of industry outcry, uh, some for, some against, they were put off in implementation to be revisited at a later date. At the, just within the past three days, uh, I think it was November 9th, an email went out to everyone that signed up for the organic email spots to say that this, these standards had been put off again to May 2018, May 14th, 2018, where it'll be again revisited. Now, the concern with this is that at that date, they could just cancel the whole thing if they wanted to. Now, Peter, as an organic farmer, how do you feel about this? Even though you don't have, I mean, you don't have a personal vested interest in whether or not these rules pass as far as having livestock, but how do you feel about them putting off this standard? I, I think it's very important for um, customers to, again, n- know their farmer who is producing their meats, their their livestock. I, I would be concerned um, if I were a uh, meat farmer um, who's raising it like I raise my vegetables. Um, and I would be concerned about these farmers who like you said, are um, basically factory farming organic chickens or natural chickens and giving them just a little bit of space to roam around. I think that, again, you're not giving the same product at all. It's a different product. And I think that, I think more people need to be educated on this. I think it's it's not in the headlines enough. I guess that's my opinion right now. Well, and it's just disappointing because there's no out of, so they gave time for comments to be submitted to the USDA. And I'm sorry for slightly marginalizing your role in this discussion at this point, Peter, but it, this just frustrates me so much. It, they got 40, over 47,000 comments submitted regarding implementation of this rule. Wow. 40,000 of them, 36,000 of which were handwritten, were submitted to the USDA telling them to implement the rules. They don't tell anything about how many people said to amend the rules. They say some suggested amending the rules. 28 people commented saying to withdraw the rules entirely, and only one person said to delay the rule again. For whatever reason, they decided to ignore the 40,000 people that said do it, consumers and farmers, and went with the one person that said to delay. Wow. So, again, do you believe that there's some big investors backing this and wanting to almost take over the organic livestock industry before... um, 
you know, the small farmers stand up against them? What do you think? The disconcerting part about this is that it isn't that they have to take over. They kind of already have. The mm -hmm. I was listening to an interview that Chris Blanchard had with Dave Chapman, who has gone on record with this hydroponic stuff and his concerns with the National Organic Standards Boards, who, by the way, I don't know what the NOSB said about this rule yet. They have not released the transcripts yet for their meeting, and there really haven't been any news reports other than the USDA saying they're delaying this rule. But I heard from this interview that the current, will soon be former, director of the National Organic Standards Program said that if the OLPP passed these welfare regulations, two-thirds of the organic egg market would be gone. They could not be certified. Wow. And that is a truly horrifying thought because that Absolutely. means at least two out of every three dozen eggs that a farmer is buying, uh, not farmer, a consumer is buying from the grocery store are not living at least the, even the bare minimum of proper outdoor access, proper indoor space. And I think that that's just, that, that loses integrity for the organic seal because a consumer expects a certain thing. But when organics isn't providing that, when we're not paying attention, because again, we've talked about before, the organic standards is based on consumer demand. This wasn't something yeah. that just randomly popped up. It's because that's what the consumer wanted. So I, I think that um when you said that in it's six months when they're going to bring this up again uh-huh okay so i wonder how many letters they'll get that time mm -hmm. probably a lot more possibly that can make a difference i hope so what do you think as we're talking about these problems with hydroponics from the hydroponics being allowed as organic from the poultry industry not getting the justice it deserves what do you think customers and consumers should do i believe that they should support their local farmer as much as possible shop at farmers markets and get to know the farmer see if the farmer offers tours of his operation mm -hmm. see if you can go see their soil or see where their livestock are raised i know many different farmers who raise livestock and or um, even grow, um, you know, certified organic sweet corn, or they allow consumers to see um, their farm. I, I would say support um, uh, the local farmer through the farmer's market. That would be number one, especially in the urban environment. The farmers uh, make their living based on those markets. I would say support the small um, co-op like grocery store where it basically and Whole Foods does do a great job with this. They, they show a picture of the farmers and where that, um, product was produced and the farmers are normally, uh, posing in front of their farms. Mm -hmm. So you can see them and you can read up on them. I, I think you can vote with your dollar and, um, 
really get to know and support the small farmer, which small being, you know, under a hundred acres or, um, but, but not the, not the kind of hot commercial style hydroponics farm. That's just has a really cool logo, but the product really doesn't have any taste Mm -hmm. and, or, um, especially with the eggs, really, really seeing where those chickens are raised. Are, are they, are they happy chickens? Are, are they seeing sunlight most of the day? Are they being fed properly? I would, um, I would, I would go check out the farms. That's what I would, I would do if I were a consumer, if you really did care or, um, uh, you could even raise, raise your own if you have your own backyard and raise your own eggs. I know a lot of, uh, of my customers are doing that now too. So, uh, I don't know. We'll have to see how this, this pans out. Um, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Luckily I don't just grow lettuce where, or leafy greens, but I, I want to see if they're going to start um, trying to produce hydroponic peppers, hydroponic uh, organic eggplant, hydroponic organic cabbage. I wonder how far this will go. We'll have to see the next, uh, definitely in the next six months, but the next few years, mm-hmm. how this, how this pans out. So kind of, uh, kind of just a question to end this conversation on. Do sure. you think that these developments are show a weakening of the value of the organic seal? I, I do. I absolutely do. Because like you said, it was founded on a um, way before this hydroponic thing ever even was around at this level. I, I think it uh, definitely is weakening the organic um, USDA symbol. I think it, it's great to work with with uh, certain certifiers like MOSA, but I think I'm at the point where I may even go further and get my farm certified biodynamic mm-hmm. or prove, you know, if I were ever to offer my baby greens in a store, I would, it would be part of um, the, uh, description of it. These were grown in soil mm-hmm. and mentioned the different nutrients that were in that. We may have to go that far. The organic might not be enough anymore. I think looking for um, the farmers that take the next step, and, and we may have to, unfortunately, where before organic was enough and it, it had meaning. Now it's it's getting too commercialized, especially with the with the hydroponic and, and the, the livestock with the eggs. That, that's a dangerous thing. I think that's important to acknowledge. We are both capitalists. We both believe, obviously, you wouldn't be farming if you couldn't make a living off of it. But mm-hmm. the problem is this: the organic standards are voluntary. We, you aren't, it's not communist Russia where you're told, you must be organic, otherwise you can't farm. So mm-hmm. if you're not going right. to follow the standards, if you're not going to willingly submit to changes or alterations that they make, then don't be organic. If you aren't willing to give your birds outdoor access, don't be organic. It, it's absolutely they're 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 cheating in the way, especially with the livestock. Mm-hmm. It's cheating. It is, and yeah, I am glad to see, as you said, there are other certifications out there. And I think that the principles of organic farming won't change. I think how it gets marketed will. 
I, I, I agree. I agree. I, um, we'll have to, we'll have to see how this pans out. I, I do know that with the hydroponics, they, they will push this very heavily with organic hydroponics. Now, I think in the grocery stores and like I said, I, I, it would be terrible if they pushed it at the farmer's markets, but, mm-hmm. um, we'll have to see. It's going to be a, yeah, hopefully it's in the headlines plenty during this winter. Hopefully. Well, customers, we leave you with these three points from Peter Groovy, your local organic farmer. Support your local farmers. Support your local co-ops and stores because they have a tendency will go for the local farmers' products. And then lastly, remember to vote with your dollars. Peter, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate that. Is there anything you'd like to share with the audience as we wrap up? Oh, that that's it for today. Thank you for having me, Terrence. This is always always a pleasure. I I enjoyed today. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show at a last minute notice. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you've learned something from this discussion. Uh, we didn't go too far on tangents one way or the other. And once again, this was giving us you our off the cuff opinion. If you want concise breakdown of what's happening with hydroponics and the organic livestock poultry and practices rule click those links to the article on our blog in the description below there you'll also see a link for our show notes you can go there see kind of the bullet points of our discussion if you've enjoyed this episode first and foremost be sure to listen to the other episodes we've done with peter we talked with him early in the season and then later talk about what's going on with the whole foods amazon merger uh go listen to it in another five years and see how close we were to being right or wrong. Anyway, thanks again for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podbean, Overcast, CastBox. There are so many different ways to listen to the show. Please listen to it on one of those ways. And be sure to leave us a nice review, letting us know what you enjoy about the podcast. As always, I'm Terrence Lakehew. This has been the Intellectual Agrarian Podcast, reminding you to keep farming the dream.